Hey, Brett Curry here, CEO of OMG Commerce. On the show today, my guest is Molly Pittman. And uh, many of you know her, but Molly is the VP of Marketing for Digital Marketer. And Digital Marketer is the group that puts together the Traffic and Conversion Summit, the Content and Commerce Summit, which, by the way, is coming up in September. So September 18th through the 20th in Los Angeles. I'll be speaking at that event. Molly's going to be speaking at that event. Ryan Dice is speaking at that event and, and lots of other uh, big name e-commerce experts. And so check that out. But on this show, Molly and I dive into Facebook ads. Molly is an expert practitioner at running successful Facebook ads. And so we run through her checklist. This is her checklist she looks at before she launches a campaign. And it is a doozy. So lots of good examples and case studies, but we dive into things like offer and what the creative should entail. And we dive deep into audience targeting and some new things on, on Facebook. And so uh, lots of good stuff here. I think you're really going to enjoy my interview with Molly Pittman. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by Zipify and Zipify pages. If you are on Shopify, you need to check out Zipify pages. It's an easy to use, customizable drag and drop landing page builder. So now you can take your best marketing ideas, things you learn from the podcast, things you learn from Ezra Firestone, and utilize those in drag and drop fashion using Zipify pages. Also check out one-click upsells. Visit zipify.com. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, and I am thrilled to welcome to the show the famous the highly esteemed Miss Molly Pittman, the VP of Marketing for Digital Marketer, and also the co-host of a phenomenal podcast called Perpetual Traffic. I, I highly recommend you check that out. And so I know you're super busy. Molly, thank you so much <laughs> for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. And excited uh, to be here. Good. Thanks good. for the thanks for the warm welcome. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, hey, I know most of the audience already knows you. Uh, because they've gone Audio. to traffic and conversion or, or CNC or read your posts or they're, you know, they're fanboys and fangirls of, of Molly, I'm sure. Uh -huh. But for the few people that don't know you, uh, do you mind giving just a little bit of a, a background? How did you kind of become a, a marketing superstar? How'd you get here? Yeah. Um, so interesting enough, I'm from Kentucky. I moved to Austin a little bit over five years ago, uh, just looking for a change. And I found um, I found a Craigslist job posting for a paid internship in marketing, and I thought, okay, you know, let's let's see what you know what's going on over here. And um, so, yeah, this was actually before Digital Marketer was really a brand. You know, Traffic and Conversion Summit, you know, had launched. Uh, but Ryan kind of had all of these companies, you know, in one building and uh, they hired like 12 interns at one time. And we went through this three month program. We created different uh, business plans uh, for different companies that Ryan and Perry were thinking about launching survival life being one of them, which is funny that that's now a, a real thing. Um, but anyways, over time, uh, they would let people go and it was kind of like, so, a so was this show. like apprentice, was it like apprentice style yeah. where one of them, one of them fired you guys at the end of each show? Okay. Pretty much like at the end of every other week. And, and we all knew this was coming, you know, their goal here was to find people that would be, you know, best suited for, for the company. 
Um, so yeah, at the end of the program, a few of us were were placed in in these different companies, and that's when I started working with with Digital Marketer. I think there were four or five of us uh, at the time, and. Um, now here we sit. <laughs> Sweet. So now you are yeah, you are the good. VP of marketing. You speak at TNC, and and you'll you'll be speaking at uh, Content and Commerce, which is coming up in September in LA, right? You'll be speaking there, I assume. I excited for that event, definitely. Yeah, yeah, me as well. And so, actually, quick plug for that event. Uh, OMG Commerce will be there. We'll have a booth, and I'm also speaking on on day two. And you get to get to hear Molly Pittman. It's going to be. I'm really excited about that event. It's you know all e-commerce focused, and uh, heard nothing but good about it. So I'm I'm super excited to be there. Yeah, I'm excited too. It's a good event, especially for people that are e-commerce or or content focused. Cool, cool. So from Craig's from responding to an ad in Craigslist uh, all the way to that's crazy. I think <laughs> I think Craigslist is good for some things, right? I, know, I think you just totally renewed everyone's um, interest in Craigslist ads, or at least made them think, you know, maybe maybe I can find the next Molly Pittman on Craigslist. I doubt it. Uh, just but, like hey, it's any shot. ad, it's all about the copy, right? So yeah. the the job the job posting was hilarious, but also really spoke to exactly what they were looking for. So I like to to credit that ad copy. Do you happen to have a, a copy of that ad? Because I'd love to post in the show notes if we have it. I know that maybe hard I, to get. I wish I did. I've looked for it. Um, I think Perry wrote it, and it kind of got lost in the ether. Yeah, but yeah. No I have since wished I also had that ad. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's a it's a classic. That would be fun. Okay, well, well, good. Well, uh, thank you for that background. Uh, you know, today we're going to be talking about Facebook ad campaigns and and how to run successful campaigns for e-commerce. Uh, I love that we're we're covering this topic now because just a few weeks ago I had Ezra on the show and and he kind of walked through some of his his funnel and his approach and it's such a big topic we could talk about it for you know dozens of shows and I love getting different people's perspectives on this. So I think maybe a good place to start is when you're creating a Facebook ad campaign, what is your checklist? Like what what are you going through? What are you trying to determine as you build out that campaign? Because I have this sneaking suspicion because I talk to a lot of merchants and I observe what they're doing that people say, hey, we know we need to be on Facebook, so let's just put a product ad up or let's put an ad for the sales event or something like that. They just throw an ad up there without really thinking a lot about strategy or goals or how we're going to track it. Yeah. So what is your, what is Molly Pittman's checklist? Yeah, no, good question. It's obviously a a bit complex, but I'm really looking at five things. Uh, The first is, of course, the offer, right? So like you said, people uh, will will throw up an ad and, hey, we want to make people aware of our product or service, but... Um, you know, simply making them aware of your product or service isn't always going to work unless you have an incredibly, you know, novel product, right? Like um, the other day I saw an ad for um, a, a ball that rolls around your house that has a camera in it that records your dog while you're at work and you can watch from your computer. That's exactly right? what I need. So, uh, oh, yes, no, me I would too. Never, I would never yeah. watch that. I would never, ever watch that. <laughs> My but dog, Larry, probably just sleeps. But, um, you know, that's obviously a novel product. It's something that if you just see it, you're like, whoa, that's that's pretty cool, right? Uh, but most of us are not 
selling novelty products. Um, so we have to craft a good offer, right? And things that go into offer or, you know, pricing the, the why, why should people, you know, actually buy this product or service um, using a lead magnet or an entry point offer. So, you know, the, the first thing is um, I receive really good offers, right? And that's why I'm able to, that's why I'm successful running traffic is because I receive these really good offers um, you know, from, uh, from people in the company. So the first thing you have to think of is, is that right? It, none of this is going to work if you don't have a good offer. Um, the second is, you know, obviously ad copy. So why is this thing something that people should want? Um, ad copy does get overlooked a lot, right? So it's, it sounds pretty basic, but I'm always thinking about different ways to appeal to the audience. Some people are more feelings-based. Some people are more status um, you know, egotistically driven, right? So thinking about different hooks and different reasons that people would want this offer and making sure that your ad copy is really a reflection of that. Um, then we go into the creative. And actually, let's, let's, uh, let's dive into those two just really, really quickly because the two are connected, yeah. right? Offer and ad copy are, are super connected. But I know with, with offer, you know, you, you want to make people really have to like squirm to say no, right? Where they, where they see this offer in there, it's almost irresistible. They have to click the button and at least check it out or whatever. But any, any rules of thumb or, or any things you look at to, to, to determine, is this a good offer or not? I know ultimately you have to test it, but any, anything you do to look at to say, hey, is this, a, is this a, an offer worth running? Yeah. I mean, does this offer actually transform someone, right? I mean, that's really what marketing is, is explaining that transformation from an undesirable before state to a desirable after state. So if you're making a promise that really provides that transformation, um, but also is irresistible, right? Um, I saw an ad yesterday from a company called Hubble and they, um, so it's it's a contact lens subscription service. And the ad was amazing on the left-hand side. Um, it had a bunch of dollar signs and boxes of contacts that you would usually get from the eye doctor, right? And then on the right-hand side was their contact lenses that looked very new and modern and cool. They were like turquoise. Um, and the dollar signs were, uh, there were less dollar signs than on the left-hand side, right? Uh, but the ad copy really spoke to, you know, hey, are you tired of overpaying for these contact lenses, right? And then they uh, went on to talk about, you know, also that they were delivering these contact lenses. Oh, and, you know, give us a shot. We'll give you a free month of lenses, right? So, you know, they're not only solving a huge pain point in terms of the price of lenses, having to go pick them up at the store, but their offer was amazing. How can you say no to a free month? Um, so, of course, all of this has to be tested, but uh, really providing that transformation and making it hard for someone to say no, um, you know, that's, in, in my opinion, what makes uh, a great offer. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I love it. Okay, great. So, so offer, ad copy, what's yeah, next? Yeah, ad copy is just the articulation of that. Third is ad creative. Uh, this is something that people really get lazy with, um, I find. So they'll write great ad copy. They've got this offer and um, they go to set up their ad campaign and they just download a stock image or something, right? right um, not right. a lot of thought goes into the the creative. That's why you see a lot of ads with like puppies or 
kittens or just like a woman sitting in a chair. Or, or the worst like, is like the, the, B2, the B2B where it's the people sitting around the, the boardroom oh, yeah, or looking at a chart. Room. Yeah, and it's like right. the same video you've seen on on a hundred different websites and you oh, know pages. that it's a stock. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's so frustrating because we're like five years past any of that type of stuff working, yes, right? Yes. Not only are most of those images so unrelated to whatever the advertiser is actually selling, they're boring, right? And especially on ad platforms like Facebook or YouTube, people are scrolling through because they want to be entertained, right? So um, using stock images and images that, you know, you're really are just there to catch someone's attention, but they don't qualify the audience. Those just don't work any longer. Um, so, you know, we go through a big research process with our ad creatives back to the before and after uh, the psychology, why someone would want whatever, you know, we're offering. And then we try to make a visual representation of that, right? And a lot of times it's very literal, but back to the contact um, example, on the left-hand side, it was your old school lenses and they were really expensive. On the right-hand side, they're showing these, you know, this new model of, of way, you know, a way that you can buy these lenses and they're cheaper, right? Um, so your creative doesn't have to be this beautiful piece of art. It should just be a visual representation of your ad copy, you know, of why this offer is something that people really want. Um, so putting a lot of time into that is important. Yeah, and I, and I think it, it can be fairly simple. I, I've been getting hit up by Nike a lot recently and, and mainly because of remarketing. I've been looking at some some new kicks and so fresh kicks. <laughs> I am, I'm wanting some fresh kicks and they are making it really, really hard to say no. So there's, there's a few styles that I clicked on on the site. I was totally digging them. And now I'm getting these, uh, uh the carousel ads with different Nike mm -hmm. shoes in my, in my Facebook feed. And it's like every single one I see, I, I like it. And so I've been, I've been clicking and interacting with it. And I know Facebook is tracking that. So Nike's able to track that. And then just yesterday I'd been resisting, hadn't been buying anything. And then yesterday I got a twenty dollar off offer showing up from Nike on Facebook. So I was like, yes, it pays yeah. to wait, wait a little bit. And so, yes. um, but they're just they're just product images. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, product images show why your product is something that people want, why it's interesting, you know, especially with physical products, video is a great way to do so. So it doesn't have to be rocket science, right? And a lot of it is just the demonstration of a product. Um, I've been watching a Quip, Q-U-I-P. Um, so it's this new toothbrush. You should look it up on Facebook and like them or get pixeled on their site. Their ads are great. Um, and it's a toothbrush, which everyone you know, I hope has a toothbrush. Um, it's a commodity, right? You would think it's hard to sell, but they've revolutionized uh, a toothbrush and made it interesting through their video ads and even through uh, through their their image based ads. So um, I, I believe you can you can always make your creative more interesting than you think. <laughs> yeah, and so when you're looking at creative, are you uh, are you always saying, hey, we want a combination of interesting images and video. We always want to test video or does it really just depend on the the offer and what you're trying to do? Does, does that dictate the creative? 
Yeah, it depends on what you're trying to do, especially with physical products. Usually video is better because you do want that demonstration, right? Like I'm even looking at an ad from Quip right now. And um, so basically the concept is it looks like a toothbrush. It's really slim, um, but it's also an electric toothbrush, right? So usually electric toothbrushes are big and bulky and you can't travel with them and they take up a bunch of space on your your bathroom counter, Right. Um, so this is like really slim. It looks like a normal brush, but it still has that, you know, movement that an electric toothbrush has. Um, so the ad's like five seconds and it just has the brush and it's moving, right? It's vibrating. And it's kind of a, a mind shift because you're like, whoa, that looks like a normal toothbrush, but it's acting like an electric toothbrush, right? So in five seconds, they've shown you the the benefit, the what's cool about this toothbrush. Um, same thing, there's an app called Wag. Um, it's a dog walking app. I love their marketing. I actually just wrote a, a post on the Digital Marketer blog about it. And they run simple five second video ads and it shows a dog just sitting there. So of course that's going to actually catch the attention of people that like dogs. <laughs> so they, they yep, can yep. use dogs, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. This is a good fit for the dog <laughs> yeah. ad. Yes. Right. And the dog's blinking and moving. So it catches your attention. But in the bottom, it has this report card that any dog owner would be like, wow, there's a report card for my dog. So it's like, you know, pee, poop, how long did they walk right. um, in terms of distance, time? Did the person lock your door? All they're doing is showing their product, which is an app, but it's really, really cool. They're demonstrating the benefits in five seconds. Yep. So yeah, it, it just really depends on what you're doing. We use a lot of images at Digital Marketer, but that's because we don't have a lot to show. Uh, but more on the survival life side, when we're selling makeup brushes, when we're selling physical products, we usually go for like a five to 10 second video ad. Great. And, and why, the, why the five to 10 seconds on, on the video ad? Just attention span. Right. Um, you know, uh, uh, us as, as humans, our attention span is getting shorter and shorter. Um, and I actually, our, our partner manager at Facebook showed me a bunch of tests about how long people are actually watching videos. And it's usually not longer than 10 seconds. So, you know, it's just because people aren't going to watch a long video unless, you know, there really is a reason for them to do so. But also I believe why, you know, we as marketers should be able to show why our product or service is cool in 10 seconds or less. Sure, sure. I mean, I, I totally agree. And so especially if you got a physical product, I mean, you should be able to show the either before and after or the, the demo of, you know, the toothbrush wiggling or whatever in that 10 second window. I mean, it's almost like the like the the visual elevator pitch, you know, uh, and when you're looking at, at your your hook or your your value proposition there. Now, when you're running a video, you're creating a video for digital marketers. So you're you're running a video for an event or for an info product or something like that. Are you often testing longer videos there, or or is that where you're looking at more image and graphic based uh, ads? Yeah, when for events, uh, definitely for retargeting testimonials or any sizzle reels that we have, I don't put as much of a time limit on that stuff. Uh, usually when we're going to cold traffic, I'm using image-based uh, just because I'm wanting the click, right? So something that you are compromising with a video ad is that when people click on the, on the video, on the creative, it's just 
going to to play the video, right? right. Or it's going to pop right. it open depending on what device you're on. Um, so when using video ads, you are sacrificing clicks sometimes. So uh, more in the awareness phase when I'm looking to generate leads or I really want to get them to our site, I don't use as many video ads. Got it. Got it. Okay, awesome. So we got offer, copy, creative. What's next? Yes. So targeting. Um, again, something that people get really lazy about. Um, it's, you know, the it's at the ad set level on Facebook. So it's a little deeper into when you're setting up the campaign and people just get too broad, right? Um, you know, you'll see, say we're selling yoga mats. Uh, most people would go into Facebook and just type yoga, right? Target 30 million people <laughs> right, right. and wonder why it's not working. So we put a lot of time and research into targeting here at Digital Marketer and really thinking about what books are these people reading? What blogs are they reading? What authority figures are they following? You know, what tools do they use? Where do they buy those tools? Who makes them? Um, I use the example of phishing a lot. Um, and, you know, imagining, say, we were selling fishing rods. A lot of people would go into Facebook and just type fishing, right? And it's like, I'm going to get all the fishermen. But unfortunately, it's it's just too broad. Um, there are a lot of people in that interest that don't actually fish. Right. So if you're right. trying to reach the really avid core part of that market, you're, you're really rabid uh, people that love this, uh, you know, wh whatever you're selling, um, you got to get a little bit deeper. So looking at fishing tournaments that people might attend or famous fishermen that, you know, these, these people might be following, um, even looking at hardcore you know, a lot fisherman of people, magazine or something like that. Yeah, I don't fisherman. actually know that's a real magazine cause I'm not a fisherman, yeah, right? but something yeah, along but, those lines. Yeah. Right. But even differentiating between, um, fishing and just general outdoors people. Right. So, um, I, I was using this example and someone's like, okay, so you would target like Cabela's. Uh, which is an outdoor store. And I'm like, no, I wouldn't way start Way too there. broad, yeah. Right, way too broad. Because that's so, hunting and camping and, you know, kayaking and all those things too. It could incorporate so many different uh, different markets. So um, a lot of times when we go into a market, I don't know. Like I have no idea who this person is and what their interests are. So I just really take to Google and start doing searches to figure out um, where are these people hanging out? Who do they follow? Where do they shop? Where do they get the tools that they're using in the market? I mean, no matter what market you're in, your people use tools to to do whatever it is. I mean, even think about social media, right? Social media managers have tools like Hootsuite and um, BuzzSumo and Meet Edgar. So just really thinking about what people do in this market, wh who do they follow and how can I reach them? And a lot of times it's just a few hours of Google searching, reading through forums, looking on Amazon. Um, so really just trying to learn as much about them as, as possible. That's awesome. So using Google as a research tool. And, and so there you're looking at things like uh, top info sites and forums and and just other companies selling what you're selling, things like that? Yeah, just and figuring out the language around it, right? So for example, thinking about events in a market, well, in fishing, they call them tournaments, right? So Googling like top fishing tournaments and marketing, we call them conferences, right? So just really thinking about and, and figuring out what what even is the language that these people are using. But a lot of times, I mean, if you searched top, you know, yoga books, 
Google's going to return a whole slew um, of, you know, information. And I just start writing them down on a notepad and then see how many of them actually match up inside of the interests in, in Facebook or Twitter. Awesome. Well, also gives you some good copy ideas too, yeah. right? Because you want you want to sound authentic and sound like you know that market. So it helps with, with that copy, copy. In terms of like what grade level are they speaking in? Uh, what weird terms do they use? For example, um, I was doing some research. We, we have a, a customer, she has a homesteading website and her offer was a beginner's guide to raising baby chicks. And I was Excellent. using her as an okay. example and showing people how you can figure out all this information in just a few hours. So when I was writing the ad copy, um, I went into forums and did some research and figured out that they call a group of baby chicks, a chattering of chicks. A chattering. Um, a chattering. I, I never right? knew that, man. I'm, I'm feeling very educated. Right. Very educated I never right knew now. that either. But if you are in that market and you do know that term, well, that ad copy immediately speaks to you, right? Um, so those are all important things to figure out. And you can, you know, read Amazon reviews of books or products in your market or read through forums or blogs and make sure you nail down that terminology. Very cool. So let, let's continue to dive into targeting because this is fascinating to me. And, and, you know, really no one knows more about us as consumers as Facebook. And, and there's never been a time in the history of marketing where you can be as, as focused and as granular in your targeting as you can with, with Facebook. And, and I would argue that Google has a, a lot of, gives you a lot of ability now to, to go even beyond the keyword and, and target at the audience level and, and some cool things too. Uh, but let's talk about uh, Facebook some more in, in terms of I want to talk about almost more like when you're getting started and then maybe talk about some advanced stuff in a minute too. But if you're testing like your first audiences, so we've got this product. So we're selling a toothbrush or we're selling, we're selling, um, you know, this, this chick thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so then what, what, what audiences should I test first? Am I, am I like stacking a bunch of interests, like stacking interests, stacking demos? Well, what should my first list look like? Right. So, I would recommend anywhere between half a million to 3 million people in each ad set. So I go through this research process and I might have 300 possible interests written down, right? Um, obviously, I'm not going to target all of, all of those interests. So I'll just start creating ad sets. And I'm looking for that potential audience size because it's a, it's a real sweet spot to where Facebook has enough people in the audience that they can optimize for, but not too big to where they're like, I don't know who to target, right? Like when you're targeting 50 million people, unless you have a lot of data on your on your Facebook pixel, that's going to be hard for Facebook to get you any results. Um, so yeah, when creating these ad sets, I recommend half a million to 3 million people, unless you're uh, a local business. And you know, I just start going through my my list that that I found through research, right? Different magazines, books, events, everything that we talked about. And I see, you know, how many of those are matching up, you know, inside of the detailed targeting box there in Facebook. And once I reach that potential audience size that I'm looking for, I'll just create a new ad set and and keep going from there based off of how many I want to I want to test. Um, so I'm looking more at that that potential reach. Great, great. And then, and then, you know, if someone has a remarketing list or uh, an email list, th those are always great places to start too, oh, right? Yeah. To, to, to build lookalike audiences and things. Totally. I always recommend anytime you have, 
you know, owned data or um, any data on on people who have already taken the action that you're wanting people to take. You know, lookalike retargeting obviously is always our lowest cost per acquisition. Um, so utilizing that data is really important. Creating lookalike audiences of people who have, you know, visited your thank you pages and and purchased your product already are, are great places to start if you have those. Um, and I just wanted to say something too back on, you know, you were you were talking about Facebook having so much data, and it's it's true. And obviously Google does too. It's interesting. Last year, Facebook and Google combined. Um, we're responsible for 99% of the growth in digital ad spend. That's so insane. it's really becoming, I, I mean, you know, they, they have 86% of the market total, right? Wow. So the other ad platforms are really fighting for that 14%. And that you'll only see this continue. And the reason is because of the data. Um, but a huge um, issue, and, and not even issue, a huge mind shift, uh, mindset, uh, that I think advertisers, especially people who have been in marketing for a long time, uh, need to think about is th- this idea of your avatar, right? Um, so we just had a, an event here in Austin this past week and I was talking, I did a whole presentation about targeting and I called on the first person who raised their hand and I asked them, you know, who is your customer? What's your avatar? And she said, well, it's women. She's about 44. She has two kids. I called on the next person. He said, you know, his avatar was, you know, men in their 50s. And it's interesting because we've been taught to describe people based off of what they look like and how old they are. Um, And there's nothing wrong with understanding those things about your audience, right? Especially when you're writing ad copy and really imagining who this person is and how they feel and how you can, you know, shift them from the before to after. But platforms like Facebook, um, have provided us with data that really make us look at our customers in a different way. Um, So when I'm thinking about our customers at Digital Marketer, I'm thinking way less about, you know, their gender, their age, what they look like, what they do for a living, how much money they make. I'm thinking about what they're interested in, right? Uh, what books they're reading, you know, what events they're they're attending, everything that we've been talking about. And I think if you can start to think about your customers in that way, based off of their actual intent, based off of their behavior, uh, based off of the things they do, the people they talk to, the information they consume, it will help you become much better at uh, social advertising and and targeting because you're not so stuck in uh, the demographic information. Uh, like at Survival Life, that we always assumed that the people who you know are our ideal customer were older white men over the age of fifty, right? Those were the people that were buying these knives and bug out bags and everything, which is true. It's absolutely true. Uh, but it's not the unique identifier of that market. And one time the media buyer there launched a Facebook campaign and she accidentally forgot to set the gender and and age uh, information inside of Facebook. And she found that the lowest cost per acquisition for that campaign was actually women in their 30s, right? She's like, Molly, I can't believe it. And so happy, happy little accident there. 
Absolutely. So anyways, a a little Molly rant there, but um, it's really important to think about your people in terms of interests and and what they're doing and what they like uh, versus, you know, demographic things like age and gender, because you can actually uh, really limit yourself with that type of thinking. Yeah. And and if you think about just, just looking at age and gender, I mean, that's very old school. That's kind of like TV radio days, which, which I cut my teeth there. I have nothing against. Yeah. Well, and and it's all we had, right? right, It's all we had. Now, now we have more. Yep. Yep. Behavioral data and, and actions that people take and what they're doing. That's the kind of stuff that indicates. And then that's where you would find that, Hey, actually there are women in their thirties that love this survival stuff. They're wanting self-defense preparation or whatever the case may be. And, and so I, I love that. Uh, let's talk then, let's get advanced as well. And any, any kind of ninja tactics or anything new that Facebook allows now in terms of targeting? A few things they have. I was just split testing. A few months ago, they launched the expand interest box. It's just a little checkbox. Um, and I've actually found that um, it's producing some really low cost per, or really low CPAs for us. So basically, it's telling Facebook that, okay, I want to target these people, but if you know you find other people um, that are converting that are similar to the ones that are already converting, feel free to expand outside of the interests that I've chosen. Um, so it's just showing that Facebook's getting even smarter. Um, so I definitely recommend um, checking that that box. Uh, they also recently launched the ability to upload custom audiences based off of lifetime value of a customer. Um, so we're seeing great results from that, uploading our highest valued customers, creating a lookalike audience off of that. Um, so, I mean, it's the same as it has been the past, you know, six or seven years, right? But so much different too. Um, so they're always, you know, launching new, um, you know, new features that make the platform smarter, that allow us to reach meet more people that are most like the ones that have already converted. Great. Any anything you can speak to about audience fatigue potentially? We, we've just seen this with a few clients where, you know, you you run an ad set, you target an audience, it goes gangbusters for a while. You're selling a ton of stuff, and then it it cools off. Um, uh, thoughts there? Like, how long do you usually let that run? Do you ever try to yeah. uh, re reuse that list later? Let it let it cool off and then hit it again? Or any thoughts there? We will let things cool off um, and and retarget them a few months later. In terms of how long things usually work or how long we let them run, it's definitely going to depend on your budget and the audience size and the frequency. Um, But I kind of like to explain it. um, Most people uh, think about scaling in a horizontal way. So they'll find one audience that's working and they just keep increasing the budget until it quits working, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and, and we definitely, we definitely do that. Um, but I'm always scaling horizontally too. So when I find an audience that works, whether it's a lookalike audience or a group of interests, um, I will go and find more interests that are most like the ones that are working. So if you've input a few into Facebook, um, and then you go click, you know, back inside of that box, Facebook will start recommending other interests that are most like the ones you've already entered. So I'll just start creating new ad sets. So new lookalike audiences, new groups of interests that are, that are most like the ones that are working. And usually if you had an, have an ad that's converting, um, simply showing it to more people is going to give you the scale that you want. Yeah, totally makes sense. Now, are you, I know Ezra follows a, a system where, you know, uh, 
pick your audience and then you measure how someone engages with your ad. So do they watch X percent of your video? Do they, do they click and like and, and engage with the, the post? And if they do, building a new list based on that engagement, retargeting them with either another offer or the same offer. Uh, what does that look like for you guys? Yeah, definitely. We'll run traffic to a blog post to educate first, build an audience of people who have read that post, retarget them. We'll run a video ad that educates or sparks some interest and retarget people that that watch that. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely a fan of of a value first approach and and retargeting those people. Gotcha. And I heard you guys mention something on the Perpetual Traffic podcast about uh, the need, and this was kind of speculation because because Facebook won't confirm it, but the need to have people engage with your posts more. So if you if you get more engagement on your on your posts, that right. actually will can lower your cost per acquisition over time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So Facebook's looking at a relevance score. So looking at, um, you know, basically the ratio of people that are liking, commenting and and sharing your post. So the higher that score, the lower your cost and, um, you know, the more people that Facebook's going to show your ad to. Um, and it makes sense because it's a social platform. They want people to see ads that they're actually interested in, right? This isn't like display advertising. So a lot of that just has to do with the messaging, who you're showing the ad to, um, and really trying to make sure your ad is relevant so that people engage. Yeah, that's awesome. And it really sounds a lot like Google AdWords quality, quality. score, right? Which Absolutely. There are three elements of quality score, but but really Google cares about click-through rate. Like that's the right. holy grail. That's like well, the Well, that's what's you know? important to them, right? Yeah. They're looking at clicks and Facebook's, you know, wants people to, to spend more time. Yep. Um, but a, a good, something that I've found... Uh, with the introduction of, of, you know, Facebook messenger ads, there's a tool called mini chat and they have a, a growth tool that's called comment to messenger, comment to messenger. And basically it allows you to, um, when someone comments on your ad, it immediately opens, um, a messenger conversation. So for example, um, we have a, a customer who sells clothing and he asks people to comment on the ad and he'll send them, you know, a coupon code in Messenger. Um, well, it not only works well because it's frictionless and, and he's selling products, right? Um, but it also increases that relevance score because instead of, you know, 10 comments of people that are like, oh, I like that shirt or, you know, tagging their friends, you have a thousand comments of people that are commenting to get that coupon code code. So that's awesome. Another, it's another great way to boost that score. So you get the, you get the comments, you actually get the coupon code distributed, but you're also helping your future ads exactly. and that ad do better as well. Now let's talk about, let's talk about messenger just really quickly. I know, I know we're kind of still on the targeting and we've got, we've got another in, in the, the five checklist, but, but I want to, I want to talk about this here because I think it's, it fits. Uh, that seems like a pretty wide open space right now. And I know things are just being developed with chatbots and all, you know, ads available in Messenger and things like that. But any anything you'd want to point out in terms of how we can utilize Messenger as marketers? I think what you just shared yeah. was awesome. And, and, and do you mind repeating yeah. the, the uh, that app again? Yeah, Minichat, M-A-N-Y-C-H-A-T. It's really inexpensive and it's great. That would be one of the growth tools I recommend starting with. The, the thing with Messenger is 
every everyone's lumping messenger marketing in with chatbots, um, and they're obviously similar, right? Uh, but it can be really scary if you're like, oh, I have to build a chatbot, right? And and right now, I mean, to build an actual bot um, that's that's you know, does what you want it to, it can be really expensive and time consuming. So if you start to think about how can I use Messenger from a marketing sense um, without building a, a fleshed out bot, I think the barrier to entry is a lot lower. So yeah, things like the, the comment to message, uh, retargeting people who visited your sales page but didn't buy, asking if they have questions, that's worked really well for us. It's kind of like live chat on a sales page, but it follows people around because usually they might have questions after they've already left your site, right? So if you have someone that can man uh, Facebook Messenger, that's a great use case. Um, also, just simply integrating Messenger in your your sales process, your checkout process. I know Shopify um, has an integration where you can send people, you know, their confirmation and, and shipping notifications through Messenger. It's great because then they become a subscriber and you can start to send Messenger broadcasts. So yeah, I think there are a few um, you know low low commitment uh, ways to use use Messenger that are really powerful. Yeah, I love that, and and I totally agree. I think the the chat bot technology very interesting. I do think that is going to grow and going to be very effective as you know in the future. But uh, I was at Internet Retailer. Uh, I spoke there in in June of this year, and I met I talked to a couple of chat bot companies, and it seems like all of them are designed where. Yeah, you know, you kind of get it started, but it's machine learning, so it kind of learns as it goes. And and really, as you kind of read between the lines, it sounds like your initial implementation of that will probably be either very limited or it will kind of right. suck. Um, yeah. <laughs> and sort of get better later. So yeah, maybe taking the leap into that right now is not that important. But what you're talking about with uh, with that that app and other other uh, approaches is maybe a better. Yeah, they're place making to start. it easier. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. So awesome. So we got offer, copy, creative targeting. Yes. What's number five? And then the last one's pretty simple, but um, AdSense, right? Um, it's something that seems like common sense, and it is, but when you get so close to this stuff, uh, you can make a, a huge mistake here. So really just ensuring that there's congruency between your ad and the landing page where you're sending traffic to. Uh, this is, a, again, a, a big mistake I see people make. Um, for example, we, I use this this a lot, but um, I was Googling something about Disney and there was a, an AdWords ad and they were offering, um, you know, if you book three nights, they'll give you a fourth night for free. I clicked on the ad. I went over to the landing page and there was no mention of that offer. It's the worst. <laughs> right? It's the worst. And it's yeah. Disney, right? I, I saw Whole Foods do this the other day. Um, and, and again, it, it seems... It seems like common sense, but it's so important because people forget the relationship that your traffic campaign has with your landing page and, and your sales funnel. You know, if you were able to double the conversion rate on your landing page, that would cus cut your, your co cost per acquisition from your traffic campaign in half without ever touching your ads, right? So they're directly related. Um, so just making sure that you maintain consistency in design when you can, ad copy, a lot of times the ad copy in our ad will be identical to what's on the landing page. Um, and, and of course, of course, the offer. So really just you know, making sure that, that you're always aware of, of that relationship and working on optimizing your pages um, and not just your, your traffic campaigns. 
Yeah, we we see that all the time as well, and we we focus primarily on Google. That that's kind of our our specialty, but. We see that a lot. Yeah, you, you've got this killer offer. Someone clicks on the ad and they get to that landing page. And I think the response, if they don't seek confirmation of that offer, they may think, oh, crap, I, I clicked on the wrong ad. Like I, I was looking at an ad that had a discount. And then they go back and look for it. Or they say, OK, now you're making me work for this. And I really don't want to work for this. So so I'm just going to to bail. Uh, absolutely. And and it's funny, I had someone come up to me at, at um, this this event a few days ago and they said, Molly, you know, Facebook is so expensive. Um, I'm paying $50 for a lead and, and it's Facebook. It's just so expensive. And I said, okay, well, what's your conversion rate on, on your landing page? They're sending to a squeeze page to generate leads. Well, it was 3%. And I said, okay, well, it's not Facebook that's necessarily expensive. It's just you're having to drive a ton of clicks, right? right? You're having to pay for a ton of clicks, um, you know, to actually generate a lead, right? What if it was 30%, you know, your, your cost per lead would, would reduce, you know, to uh, 10, tenfold. Yeah. Um, so just always thinking about that is, is so important. Yeah. So maybe you can get better engagement and create better ads. And so you can lower that cost per click or cost per engagement. But really then once you get some of that landing page, increasing the conversion rate, that's a great way to affect your, your CPA and, and bring that down. So that's awesome. Uh, let's, I want to just hit kind of a couple other random Facebook ad related questions. So make kind of go rapid fire through some of these. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so you talked about video ads and, and I gave some great tips already. So we talked about, you know, the nine to 10 second video is often what, what Facebook is recommended based on people's engagement and the fact that we have attention spans of gnats, which is, which is really sad in some ways, but, but we don't, we don't have to go there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Other, other tips though, on how do you make a video ad really effective? Yeah, I mean, honestly, a lot of it is is back to ad copy, right? Uh, to me, a video is is ad copy in, in visual form. Um, so just really thinking about how in this video can I show the transformation from before to after? Um, how can I show the the unique you know reasons why why this product is good? Um, always using captions is is great because a lot of people are watching, you know, video without any sound um, and not trying to make the video too long. If you're not showing people what's cool or catching their attention in the first three seconds, they're gone. Right. So um, don't overthink it. Uh, a lot of people overthink video ads and and really that five to 10 second just punch, you know, this is why this is, is something you should care about. Um, that's, that's what always works best. That's great. That's great. Uh, what about production quality? You, you, any insights there? Do we need to have a full production team? Do we just need to have no, our iPhone? No, 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 no. Yeah. iPhone, uh, even, you know, Facebook is, is recommending just use your iPhone, right? It, it doesn't have to be that difficult. Um, there's a service called Animoto you've probably heard of. Yep, yep. It's great for creating videos. So yeah, don't make it too complicated. And even a lot of times, um, lower quality videos, um, they'll actually perform better because um, they fit in more with the platform, right? Usually when you're scrolling through your feed, you know, you're seeing a video that, you know, your your buddy took of his barbecue on his phone. <laughs> so it's, it's what people are used to. So I, I wouldn't overdo it. So Instagram, are you always running your ads on Instagram as well, or are you just targeting Facebook? Yeah, Instagram, especially the past few months, is performing 
uh, really well for us. So I really just see it as another placement on Facebook. Obviously, you do want to be aware that it's a more visual platform and people use it a bit different than Facebook. But yeah, it's been working great for us. Great. Any, Especially any, for any, physical products. Yeah, totally makes sense. Any tips you would give on the the Instagram platform? Because I know it is, it, you know, kind of grew out of just good photography and people do go there to look at, at beautiful images and things like that. But any tips on Instagram? Yeah, I mean, just basically realizing that your creative is is obviously much more important on Instagram than Facebook. Um, and uh, again, it, it doesn't have to be professional photography. Um, I, I was scrolling through my feed earlier and there's an app called Soothe. They do uh, massage therapists to your home and they had a beautiful ad and it was just like a five to 10 second video of you know, someone giving someone else a massage. Uh, but the movement of the video really caught my attention. Obviously, I could understand the benefit and what was going on. And and that was enough for me. You know, I clicked and, and downloaded the app. So awesome. Uh, really same principle. It's just different application. Cool, cool. Any, any cool Facebook announcements or any juicy Facebook gossip right now? Mm. Not that, not that I can think of. I think they're to a place of um, real stability now where they're not having to roll out new features every week, right? right. I think we will always see enhancements. I know they're dedicated to that. Um, but most of the new things that I've seen have just been, um, you know, real additions to what we already have. Um, so, you know, not, not much juicy gossip. I think a lot of people are freaking out because the news is reporting, oh, Facebook's running out of space, right? They're running out of inventory, uh, which is true. And that's what happens on any ad platform. Yep. The costs are going to rise. That's why relevance score is so important. They want to show the ad that's best fit for the audience. But I think you'll sh see more ad placements over time, more ads in Messenger. They're going to find other places to to show ads so that there um, you know, is more inventory. Yeah, it really just raises the bar, right? It just, again, rewards. Yeah, I it's, love it. <laughs> yeah, it's going to make it imperative that you're good at what you do, right? So the yeah. to make the the Google comparison, you know, the days of five-cent AdWords clicks, those days right. are gone for Facebook, right? So it's becoming more mature. It's, it's staggering how much it's grown in the last five years. Facebook is going to follow in Google's footsteps and a lot of those, uh, you know, the, the development. Um, it will become more expensive. I guarantee every single year we will look and say Facebook is more expensive, but um, I see that as an advantage, Absolutely. right? If you're, if you're good at marketing, um, you should see that as an absolute advantage. Because your competitors can't afford to do it. And and I know, I don't remember who this quote originated from. I know I've heard Ryan Dice mention it before, but, you know, he who or the person that can can spend the most to oh, acquire a customer that's a wins. Dan Kennedy. Dan Kennedy, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, yeah he sense. or she who can spend the most to acquire a customer wins. So a lot of that is thinking about how much can I pay for a customer, right? What yep. is my lifetime value? What's my overhead? And, and really calculating so that you look at it less uh, from a fear-based mindset of, oh my goodness, this is so expensive to, ooh, I can pay more um, and my co competitors can't. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's a beautiful thing. And so, yeah, Facebook's going to continue to grow. I think there's still a lot of large advertisers that only have a fraction of their budget in Facebook and that's only going to grow and increase. I think there's going to continue to be a shift of money from, you know, traditional national TV that's going to be shifting into Facebook and that's going to raise the price for everybody. Uh, but there's still a lot of room to grow. I still think it's an inexpensive platform if you do it the right way. So uh, I'm still pretty excited about where we are right now with Facebook and, and even where we're going to be as it, as it grows. So yeah. cool. Well, Molly, this has been fantastic. Uh, it's been so fun and, and, and extremely 
informative. Uh, so for those that say, okay, holy cow, I've got to read everything Molly writes. I've got to follow her everywhere. Uh, how can people keep up with you on the web? Yeah, just check out the Digital Marketer website, Facebook page, Twitter. I don't have a Twitter. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I just never have. So yeah, you know, all of all of my blog posts and things are posted at um, on on DM's website, but mostly the the podcast, right? That's a uh, that's where we show up every week and talk about this stuff. So yep, check out Perpetual Traffic. Search for that in your favorite podcast app or search for it online. And so with that, Molly, thank you. It's been a ton yeah, of fun. Yeah, thank you, Brett. Thanks yep, for awesome. having me on. You bet. And so uh, again, one quick plug, Content and Commerce Summit, September 18th through the 20th in Los Angeles. We'll link to that page in the show notes. So ecommerceevolution.com. And as always, thank you for tuning in. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.